Welcome back to the last episode of We Want More Superman, the podcast where we discuss Alexander Boyle's novel, The Metropolitan Man. Brian, what do you think? Short. Uh, how many? What did we only do? About like six episodes for this, huh? Seven. Five, six, seven? Yeah, I lose count. Uh, yeah, that guy. so yeah, I'm like disappointed that it's over. The characters are really good. I'm a little also opposite kind of disappointed in the Lexish Sherlock Holmesy kind of ending to the whole thing. But we can talk about that. But uh but no, yeah, this is good. Um yeah, and do and and I think I said this last time that the uh there's like more room to go with these characters, so it's a uh, disappointing that it's over. Oh, suddenly deciding to upset people is tight. And then I'm like, oh, you can keep going, except, uh, spoiler, we killed Superman, so can't, there's no sequel to this story. I was thinking about, like, what would work as a sequel. It's like, oh, you could do, like, the Lex has to uh, deal with Supergirl or something, but, um, uh, but it is a bummer, because I thought, like, the, where uh, the Superman, where Clark slash Superman's character was going was starting to be interesting. So, anyway, we'll get into that, but I was well pleased. Nice. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a dark ending. Side note: Where does Supergirl come from? She's also well. Actually, I was just. It's really. I just rewatched the first episode and a half of the TV series. It's really terrible. Um, but I guess she's like Superman's cousin sent after the fact. I'm not sure. Like that's at least the story in the in the TV show. I'm not sure how like how much that sticks to the original story, but no, yeah, she's also from Krypton. She's Superman's cousin. And I guess in that, in the TV show, at least she was sent after the fact to try to watch out over her cousin, but then something, something time dilation, blah, blah. She gets there later, but yeah. Huh. Um, Speaking of so Superman yeah, TV I'm- shows, apparently uh, there's a new show called Superman and Lois that, or wait, Clark and Lois. Wait, I've got it actually. That's here. all. I like that. The, the, there was Lois and Clark. I think it was like back in the nineties or something. Superman and Lois. The first episode just came out last week. Uh, and I don't know. I saw the trailer for it. It looks fun. They keep like, they, that's Superman's been a very re re rebooted story. This, this they looks like it's taking like a bit of a different direction. Like it's uh, uh yeah, he's, I think they've got teenage children and uh, I, at least from the trailer, it looks more like it's going to be about, the dynamics of you know being a family family man of a super family man rather than like is he strong enough to punch this thing right huh. so might be interesting let's check it out definitely gonna watch it yeah and also anyone who's not watching wandavision needs to yes i just saw the latest latest episode last night we can't spoil anything Gosh, i know right but, yeah, that's true. It's very yeah. spoilery. I get like I look at the news on my phone, just like Google News on my phone, and shit comes up on there that's very like pseudo spoilery. I not quite a spoiler. It's like they're like writing the lines. Not quite a spoiler. I'm like, oh, apparently there's going to be some big deal about this character. Um, it's kind of annoying. I yeah, I right? I remember before Infinity War and Endgame, I just put like uh, on there was a YouTube extension I found that let you block recommended or block what it showed you as like recommendations based on keywords. Yeah. So, yeah, I can do that too with with Google. So yeah, I could probably just like black hole anything having to do with WandaVision. But yeah, tell it to fuck off. Um, exactly. Um, anyway, I brought that up because oh yeah, you've only got like twenty three movies to watch first, and then you can enjoy WandaVision in its full splendor. <laughs> exactly. It's a. It feels like we're. It's getting near. How many episodes are in this season? It feels like it's nine or ten. Yeah, uh, and it was getting, eight. Le- le- number eight was last night. Yeah. So, are they playing another season or is it? 
feels like I, it should just wrap up. Like this is a good story to just kind of. I have no idea. I, I imagine that they're just telling like a story in a season. I can't imagine. I mean, I guess, you know, they could try, but it well, would be and weird. I think, like, yeah. Among the spoilery things I did see, not really a spoiler, but the, the stuff. If you ruin anything for to, me, this I'm show's over. Nothing. No, just that, that, that apparently like when this like kicks back into the um, movie universe, like stuff that happens in WandaVision is going to be reflected in the. Oh yeah. That's, that's what I like. It, so, it became yeah. apparent after a few episodes that this does like, this isn't just like its own little spinoff. It's yeah. like, it takes place in a larger context. Yeah, so it's cool. It's really well done. Yeah, and also like very different than. So yeah, I know. I'm a I'm a fan. Made me stoked. I was initially disappointed when I learned that uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was going to be a TV series, and now I can't wait. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Okay. I mean, they've they've demonstrated they know how to do a TV show. I'm super into it. Yeah, I guess so. And it takes longer to watch a TV show than it does a movie. So Disney's got a deep checking account. So. And I mean, they've got Kevin Feige, who's. Just the best at this. Oh, he's a good one. What else has he done? Uh, mainly these. Man, mainly yeah. Avenger stuff. Yeah. No, uh, they've, they've done a really good job. It's so it's almost like <laughs> it's like the big boys come in and like, okay, we'll slum with you guys and do some television and show you how it should be done. Yeah, or, or it's more <laughs> just like I, I imagine he's like, yeah, if you want me to do a TV show? All right, let's give it a shot. Watch me crush it. Yeah. All right, this has been your three-minute digression on Marvel stuff. But we're not dealing with Marvel stuff. We're dealing with the final showdown which I fucking loved. Um, like, I mean, how, how it comes out is, is a bummer. Like in a, in like, not that I'm just pointing to how the story ended, but it's not a happy ending, but I just loved every, every second of the, like that whole scene. Um, but we'll get there when we get there. So, yeah, it was cool. Like, especially it was a very sort of like book way of having the tension. Like it wasn't like action movie shit. Yeah. I mean, I guess there was a little bit of shit blown up, but like the tension and the excitement was not around like people getting punched and, and shit getting, you know, thrown across the sky. It was like, it was all about that. Just like that conversation with like, and I think he's literally like Superman's just like sitting in a chair. Like that was like the most tense moment of Superman sitting in a chair. So I know his, t- his cool. cape, no doubt tucked over one shoulder or something. Yeah. That reminded me of, uh, the boys, like it always seemed like intentionally awkward the way when, uh, what's it, Homelander, whenever he would like sit down on a couch or in a chair, he had to like sort of awkwardly deal with his cape as he sat down. <laughs> it always looked like, like super like odd. You're like, oh yeah, capes are kind of dumb. They look great when you're flying and literally yeah. no other time. <laughs> exactly. All right. All right. So. But he's got to stay warm. Of course. Yeah. Um, his security blanket. So this, this one opens up with uh, Lois getting fan mail from Lucille Lint. Which yes. it wasn't until Lois points out. So it's a fan letter that's the secret code from Lex yeah. because it opens with, uh, what was it? Like the opening sentence was like a code that they had set up. Um, yeah, I guess some like secret, like known sentence. It was, I've been a long time reader of your articles and I have to say that I'm quite the fan. It's a kind yeah. of throwaway sentence, but I guess that was like a magic word. Exactly. But I also like how it wasn't until I read this where she says, and the initials at the bottom were LL, which were initials that she and Lex shared. And I, that was when I was like, oh, yeah, Lois Lane, uh, Lex Luthor. Yeah, no okay. I didn't put together until just recently, like, I guess, like the new, I don't know if he's like the new Spider-Man or whatever, but uh, Miles Morales. Uh, M-M? is like, Yeah, it's M.M. I'm like, oh, that sticks with the Marvel thing of all of the, uh, all the main superheroes have matching letters for their names. Peter Parker. Peter Parker, Bruce Banner. J. Jonah uh, Jameson Reed, Jr. J. Jonah, yeah. Richard Reed, who else? Yeah, there's apparently a lot of them. Stephen Strange. That's right. Uh, we could do this all day. But. Uh, I think we, we kind of, we got near the end though. I don't, I don't think there's too many <laughs> more. I was trying to run through. 
Yeah, all right, all right. So, Lois, uh, so the letter is like, hey, you know, I'm I like your fashion. I think you've got you've got the same fashion I do. There's this jewelry store. You should go there and get stuff. And like, I don't know what and kind of regular fan mail like, people get. Like, like blatant self promotion in other contexts. Right. Like, shut up. It's commercial for your like <laughs> sister in law's jewelry store. Piss off. Or she just walks in and be like, hi, I'm Lucille Lint. This is my jewelry store. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what happened. She I remember, gets uh, when I was like, yeah. when we were trying to figure out the whole like Gotham versus Metropolis versus Hub City or whatever, I was looking it up. Apparently, like the real world name for Gotham was, it was some jewelry store in New York, like Gotham Jewelers or something was how like all of New York started getting called Gotham. But Nice. Oh, yeah. You pointed out, you, you sent me that, that uh, what Wes had said. Uh, how did you put it? That Wes said Metropolis, that uh, Metropolis is in New York during the day and uh, Gotham is New York at night. Right. Well. <laughs> and someone else in there pointed out that I think uh, uh, or Gotham was supposed to be in New Jersey, not in Chicago, which makes sense. And I like that because in the Donna Justice movie, you could see Gotham like over the lake or something or over this you know, body thought, of water. And then because then you sent me a link of like all the DC Universe like fictitious cities, but there was some one of the DC universe fictitious cities that seemed like it was like the transparent stand in for like Staten Island or just like, you know, Newark or, you know, just the, the thing across the river that's not New York. Um, so no, cause it had always like got them in like, and then the way they talk about it, especially it, even in this, it like sticks with the, even in this first paragraph on the corner of 18th and 22nd, like it sticks with all like Manhattan-y kind of naming of things. Totally. All right. Yeah. So, but it's daytime. So it's Metropolis and she goes down to the jewelry store and yes. the the clerk there is like normal until she's like, hi, I'm Lois Lane. And she's like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, wait, shit. Yeah, it again, it's like another one of those like makes you think like how many people does like Lex have on the payroll that are like told that they have to do this very specific shit but not ask questions about it? All of them? Exactly. Yeah, everybody. All right. So, yeah, so Lois is like, oh, yeah. So Lois is, I don't know, like made up her own sort of cover story about like, oh, you know, Perry White has told me that I need to do some kind of sexist you know, puff piece about women shit. Um, so I've come in here to talk about jewelry. So tell me about jewelry. And, but it's sort of like, they both know that, uh, that, that it's like bullshit. Well, I guess a little, Lois is a little bit trying to play it off straight. Like, like maybe the, the um, salesperson in the store doesn't know what's up, but it's certainly clear that I bet all the salesperson knew was give these to Lois Lane, mm. you know, not, not what she's going to do with them or anything. But what I like about this too is kind of funny. She goes in with like, again, the whole fake, like I'm here to do this sexist puff piece when like, who is she saying that for the clerk? Cause know, right? Superman, if, if he's listening, which no doubt he is, he knows that Perry isn't trying to get her to do a sexist puff piece. Uh, yeah, that's true. But yeah, and it's almost and a little bit. She's almost sort of like pissed off about it. It's, maybe it's just almost for her own benefit. But yeah, that is kind of weird. I guess like if she's trying to run through her head, like okay, what's a plausible story for why I would be walking into this right. jewelry store? It would be okay. I guess that's, you know, there's some sort of like sexist womany thing around why I, sh- I should be there, and then she would be sort of irritated with herself that that would be the reason. But but yeah, like none of this, especially because now she's hyper aware that like. Um, you know, Clark is listening to everything she says at all times that, yeah, she must know that. Although now that I say that, what was going through my head as I was thinking that and reading that is that there's almost like now that they're a little bit more boyfriendy, girlfriendy, that I would at least almost imagine like there's that sort of like thirsty tension on Clark's part would, would be sort of like dropped down a little bit. And then he might be a, a little bit less prone to be constantly eavesdropping on her because he's, 
he's a little less stalkery. Yeah, he goes a little less Edward Cullen and more just like actual good guy. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if he was constantly listening to her or not, but I think it's safe to assume that he probably was just because he cares. You know, like yeah. it, it, it is creepy. But, you know, if, if I had if I could hear the whole planet at once, I'd be listening, you know, every few minutes at least just to double check on everyone I cared about. Be like, hey, are they doing yeah. OK, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I like this, and that was kind of another. We got a little more. That's why, I, like, we were really starting to get into like an interesting spot with Clark as a character. And I and I said in the beginning, like, oh, I hope Superman just kind of stays in abstraction. But like, we didn't do that, and I kind of liked where it was going. That that he kept being like complicated is the wrong word, but like a sort of believable, imperfect mix of like, he's not perfect Superman, but he's also not the like opposite, like, Oh, you are a complete failure at being Superman. Like he's a fairly complex kind of character capable of, you know, nuanced thoughts about things and, you know, competent at noticing things, but not in a, any kind of, you know, fakey Lex Luthor kind of hyper competent kind of way. So he's like a very, you know, impressive is the wrong word, but like, oh, you can't just sort of dismiss things or sort of treat him as, as you know, superhuman in that respect. Um, he's just a, a quite canny person within the, you know, range of what normal people would do. But he's sort of like, his mind is a fairly sophisticated, normal person's mind. Yeah, he became a person. I love it. Yeah. And that's that's why I, I liked the approach that you had. And you're like, this would be fun if like we'd never get to really see Superman, who, like who he is. And then when we do, though, it's a really fun treat, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. And we sort of like keep running into that. Like that's kind of like how this develops is a little bit kind of a violation of that expectation of you sort of expect Superman to just be the Wonder Bread abstraction, you know, mannequin of a character. And then he sort of keeps being more than you would think. Yeah. To like, to the surprise of everybody interacting with him. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. I also like, so she, the, the clerk puts the, the stuff on the counter and it's glowing green, you know, yeah. uh, ominous looking stuff. And Lois like doesn't approach. She's like, what is that? Is it radium? And she's like, what's that? And she explains like what radium is. And this whole thing is true about the, the glow in the dark watches, um, where they the head women paint the watch faces and they lick the paint brushes, you know, to make them nice and fine. And they didn't. They were told that it wasn't poisonous. Maybe they. I don't know if they knew if it was poisonous at the time or not. It seems like a really short sighted business plan if you knew it would kill all your employees. Know, right? But um, anyway, yeah, they uh, they got sick. The jaws started falling apart. And um, I also like the the casual throwaway because Lois is badass. She had literally written the book on it. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm not sure that it's safe. Yeah, so were the girls who worked in the factory. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, it made me think so that was like our tip of like oh glowing green we're like okay that's what this is about these are it's like kryptonite jewelry but did lois lois didn't have any idea what so her wondering about radium is the first thing that she would have gone to because she doesn't know that there's even such a thing as kryptonite does she no like much less what it does she doesn't even know it's a thing right yeah yeah, yeah so, so she she yeah. she all she so, knows that she's so supposed to go there like she's like oh i'm being and yes so she's being told like like she figures out pretty quickly, like, oh, okay, I'm supposed to give this to Clark. Um, but she doesn't even really know what the hell that's about until yeah. in the next few paragraphs we get to see her talking to Lex. But yeah, in that moment, she must be like, what the fuck is this about? This is weird. Yeah. All she knows is that she, like, so she's, she's pushing back a bit on like the, why are you handing me this obviously dangerous looking shit? And it says that she wondered how far she was deviating from what Lex had planned. Obviously she was intended to walk out of the store with watch and necklace. 
Yeah. And I like to how like the sales clerk was sort of like nervous about like fucking I don't know I was just told to do this lady <laughs> like you're supposed to be in on the thing right ask me hard fuck so um, then she's like all right cool let's do the, the 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 fake puff piece and then we cut to Lex's house and she's just like what's it do and um, Lex is at this point kind of annoyed because he's like ah oh, come on like now you're having second thoughts and mm-hmm. um, I also like this too that he's like you know she had to go and ruin it by showing up here. Because if she had just given it to him, then, you know, he could say that she was just a pawn rather than the more valuable knight or bishop that she actually was. Yeah. I like that. And like, and like we never, Lex is not ever in any mode of trusting anybody. Except I guess he does a little bit trust Mercy. I think he trusts her. But, like so, she knows everything, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. He does say that like she's the, you know, single person that knows the most like incriminating stuff about him but yeah we're always still we're seeing through all of this conversation with lois that he's still in the back of his head holding his cards really close to his chest and and trying to figure out like to what level should i be bullshitting her and and how much of what i actually know should i be letting on um like he's in the like the default position is always just bullshit everybody and don't tell them anything and then he has to sort of like individually qualify any any particular fact is a thing it's okay to share with somebody and what I like about this too is that he's never operated with Lois with like without getting rid of the um, the possible uh, risk of her being a double agent, right? Yeah, yeah. So like this, this has always been like a background concern. So he's like everything that he's doing again. He's waiting for the clerk to read the court transcript to Superman, and he's like, no, no. I mean, I was I was being fair and you know and uh, thoughtful and all this, and then we see that. When, when it turns out that Clark has read the, the transcript, basically, he's like, yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. buying that shit. Yeah. And like, and he's like, even like she asks him like, okay, what's it going to do to him? And he, even he's like, he tries to bullshit about it almost just as a knee jerk reaction of like, oh, I should just never tell anybody anything. Like he tries to BS her. He's like, oh, I don't know. But and he sort of kind of doesn't know, but he, uh, he's pretending to be a little more ignorant about it than he actually is. And then. Uh, you know, as she kind of digs in a little closer, he almost kind of regrets that he's like, oh shit, you know, I can't, but like, I've already told her, I don't know. So I can't pretend to know that it's harmless. So like, he's in this constant level of like, how much lying can I do right now? Yeah. Which seems to be just how he's been operating this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So like, which asks, what's it do? He's like, I don't know. I have reason to believe that it'll hurt him, which is kind of the truth. Yeah. Like he, he was thinking, okay, the, the walk by wasn't enough. So maybe sustained contact will like do the trick. And his only evidence at this point is like the baby was shielded from this stuff. And so then she's like, well, will it kill him? Or like, that's where you're saying, man, I wish I hadn't said I didn't know before. Cause I could have yeah. just said it'll depower. Oh, no, me. definitely not. Yeah. 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 I wish I could lie to her, but I just fucked myself. Yeah. Exactly. I like to, how we, how we, we learn a little bit later that like, yeah. Cause he's like, okay. When, you know, small amounts of having somebody walk by him didn't seem to do anything that we find when Superman talks to him in a little bit that no, it totally did. And it, and it fucked him up, but Clark is good at, you know, constantly trying to cover for things. So he did a perfect job of making it seem as if it didn't do anything at all. But he was sort of immediately like, oh, fuck, somebody's walking around with kryptonite. Right. Like he not only like knew it in the moment, but he was able to infer what that meant about it. He's like, oh, fuck, like, okay, they're getting better at this little plot to murder me. Yep. He, that, I think that might've been when the game was up. Yeah. Um, all right, so I like this too. So they're they're arguing, and you know she's like, "Oh, I don't know if you know we should do this." And this is where he's just like, "Oh, I roll." Like, come on, you're <laughs> you're you're having to like now you're coming with your your senses of morality and all that. Yeah. Um, and then, then he's like, "All right, look, I figured out who you it who he is. 
because you told me that it was the people that you knew him. So like, you don't know that many people. It was kind of obvious. And you're starting to feel sympathy towards him. You think you understand. And, oh, by the way, Clark Kent looks just like Superman. That too. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. And the other thing I like, like a sort of a good sign of the little bit of how Lex doesn't quite get how humans work. Um, he tries to play off to, to Lois, like, oh, one of the things he says, like, to sort of justify trying to harm Superman is, you know, he murdered a man in cold blood, or even just to sort of, like, play up the, the you know, potential harm that Superman is. And, like, that sticks out as, like, being blatantly hypocritical. Like, you murdered many, many, many people. You, you've killed more people than Superman ever did um, for your own just sort of, like, calmly calculated reasons. Um, so it sort of stuck out as, like, his... Com- like he's completely given himself, you know, hundred percent permission to bullshit anybody to whatever extent he feels like. Well, sure. But when Lex has people killed, he does it for the greater good. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. yeah. It's so like how, how completely comfortable he is. Like it doesn't even phase him at all to like the hypocrisy of what he's doing doesn't bother him at all. Right. I also like this, this again, this, this whole chapter has got some of my favorite lines. So she's he says he murdered a man in cold blood. And this is all like in the writing thing because they're still doing the secret, whatever. Yeah. And she's like, he regrets it. And he says, what else will he come to regret? Like, that's a yeah, really also, heavy like question like, yeah. when it's and Superman, also, right? The, you know, the person that Superman murdered in cold blood was as justifiable as all the reasons Lex has come up with for, you know, murdering innocent civilians to blow up bombs and also in a much more like sympathetic way. Like that was a bad dude that got killed. Yeah. And yeah, he shouldn't have done that, but that's better than, you know, killing random women and children just because they're going to be near where you wanted Superman to be. (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty intense. Um, so then basically he convinces her, he's like, look, if you fully trusted him, you wouldn't have come here at all. Like you would have just, you would have fessed up. Mm. Clearly you haven't told him about this. And so she can't, she being a person who can't really live with hypocrisy says, okay, yeah, I guess, you know, that's, that's kind of true. And, um, so she nods and leaves, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, and so then we cut back to the office. Yeah. Uh, the the scene's awesome planet. too. I know. Right. Yeah. This is another way we sort of like, uh, it was a good kind of surprise of like, we keep getting seen like, you know, Superman is all wonder bread and everything, but the dude's not stupid. Um, so yeah, so Lois has got, and it, yeah, and I guess, and I said this to you before, and you had pointed out. So Lois has got this like lead-lined um, drawer in her desk, and that's where she puts the uh, the jewelry. So she, so and I guess Lex must have filled her in, like, you know, that's going to be obvious, like that's going to affect him unless it's you know shielded in lead. Um, but then that made me think in the back in the back of my head that like because Clark can see through anything at all moments, anything that's surrounded in lead like would stick out like a sore thumb to him and so he would have immediately noticed that like you know suddenly the world is getting you know filled up with people you know shielding things in lead and that's a you know so it would have especially now that we've seen how not gullible he is he would have immediately be like okay somebody's figured out something about it and then anytime he sees something shielded in lead he's like okay somebody's trying to hide something from me so yeah. Um, like there's no subtle way to hide anything from Superman inside. I mean, yes, you can, but he's going to know what you're trying to do. Well, and that and that's that was the genius of the plan to like make lead lining a very popular thing, right? And yeah. so Well, yeah, that was the thing that like cuz and I think he even says like like Superman knew that like how much he could he wasn't fooled that like Lex was only sort of kind of involved in it. Like he he picked up on that as like okay, that was a 
plan from you to try to, you know, make it, you were tr- like, he knew what, he knew exactly what Lex was doing. He's like, you, you were trying to make it plausible that suddenly everything's getting covered in lead. Exactly. Cause if it's just one house, then that house stands out like a beacon. But if it's, you know, hundreds of houses across the country, then. Yeah. Uh, and even in the impression I got, it's like, okay, yeah, that sort of kind of worked, but clearly the most lead in the whole fucking city is Lex's office. And that's got to get like, he did a little bit of a better, like he's not the only thing anymore that's covered in lead, but you know, the biggest, the biggest fan of lead in all of Metropolis appears to be Lex Luthor. Yeah. There's just this big black box when Superman's floating over the city with his, with his x-ray vision on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as you're saying that, like, and it's, it would have also then occurred to him that, uh, cause he would have known that Lois is, you know, hanging out with Lex more for ostensibly valid reasons, but it wouldn't have, struck him as a coincidence that, oh, she's hanging out with the number one lead fan in all of Metropolis and now she's got a lead drawer in her desk. Like, hmm. That said, I think that, I think there's two things there. One, Lex having lead shielding, like he gives, he gives a perfectly uh, reasonable explanation that, yeah, while it's sus if you're Superman and you can't see into this guy's house, when you're eavesdropping on him, he says, look, if someone reverse engineers his x-ray vision, like I've got, you know, a million dollars worth of ideas sitting in these drawers. Like, I can't just let, you know, any, any random jerk look through my walls and steal all my ideas. And like, he's yeah, got that's a, but and, again, like, and like, I like how we got, like, that's the kind of idea that like sounds plausible only to lawyers trying to, um, gaslight you about what plausible is. But like, to Superman, <laughs> he's like, yeah, no, fuck you. Yeah. I mean, I think, sure. That sounds good, but yeah, no. I'm, yeah. I'm I think fooled. that's, that's definitely part of it. I think the other thing is that, uh, you know, if Lex has the most lead, he also has the most money. So like, it might not. It, yeah, that's, it's not that's like he spent half his like, fortune on it, right? Yeah, but like, and so Lex did, and you know, and I and I would think like he did help his cause a little bit that he did make lead slightly more plausible, but that would still be only like the rich and powerful would be suddenly covering stuff in lead. So Lois would, and now I'm forgetting like what was the the theoretical justification for that lead drawer, but she would definitely stand out as like one of the few just sort of regular people that are suddenly shielding shit in lead. I think that like lead line drawers was a thing that was marketed. I can't remember if it was just a line or if it came to mind as just extremely plausible, but like people who are selling lead goods, probably lead drawers were just like right up there, right? Hey, do you want to keep your porn collection, you know, where Superman can't tell what, you know, terrible porn you look <laughs> at, you know, put it in your lead line drawer. And I'm assuming Lois got hers. Again, I can't remember if this was in the story or implied, but um, like one of the times she goes up to talk to Superman um, he like had already read the questions that she had because they were sitting on her desk or in her regular drawer. Yeah, mm. I think that was it. She really needed to get one of those lead line drawers. I think she thinks that after he says, yes, I've read the questions. And she's like, you can't read the questions before I get here. That's not how I work. So I think that's when she gets a lead drawer. Uh, so she even, and that was like a legit, like she even did that. She's like the own, one in person. Head, that was in good faith. Right. And probably I could imagine like Lex planted that idea in her head so she would do it, but... Or he planted it in the ideas of everybody across the planet, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just like how, like, of, of all the people on the planet, you know, she's the one interviewing Superman and she w- doesn't want him to get a heads up on the questions. And of course, now we know that while she's on the walk up, he could read them and then spend three weeks thinking about how he's going to answer all oh, of them. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because he can just <laughs> go in and, like, he's in perpetual bullet time. So. Right. Um, anyway, so so I love this. She, he comes in, hangs up his coat, and he takes a seat and he's, he, like, gives her a pleasant smile. And she's like really nervous. Hey, I got you a gift. You know, it was free. And she goes open the desk. And as she opens it, you hear a noise. And then Clark is standing far away from her. Yeah. I like to like, and as we, as in a little bit, 
he describes like what it's like to be around kryptonite like what that would have been like for him he's like oh hey i got you a gift and she opens this drawer and like the fucking sun mm-hmm. shines out from up from the thing he's like oh fuck he'd be like oh you fucked me lady i got the impression when he's talking to lex that he can turn his x-ray vision on and off because he says it's hard to look at when i'm using my x-ray vision but i think like, that like hard but that it never would have at least the impression i got was like okay when he like is explicitly trying to use his x-ray vision that's when it gets sort of like blinding and painful but that even without trying he's never going to not notice oh totally yeah he doesn't I, have to try to check or anything it's like he would have like it opened up and it would he wouldn't have had to you know think to be looking at something he would have been like jesus fuck yeah either either it's you know it's shown bright enough to hit his eyes regularly or it's like you know because he can respond in in millisecond time he felt like the the effect of kryptonite and he's like oh shit and then he jumps back checks and then does his thing but yeah there's there's no you know just handing this to him you know sight unseen without him noticing right um you know the the only thing i guess there aren't that there aren't you know uh mechanically controlled radio stuff yet so you know like if 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 lex had thought if he'd known that it glowed he could have given him a watch and then had the bottom of the watch have like a remote control button that that lex could press or that somebody oh, else. Oh yeah, so it could have had it could have been like a lead-lined watch that he could like booby trap. Exactly. So that, you know, it only yeah. it only like moves the little like dilating that, thing. At, or at midnight the lead pops off or something. Right. It is a timing device. That's right. It doesn't know what time it is. That's one thing clocks can do. <laughs> so, um just like the the scene kind of goes from like, you know, from it's not clear how much Clark knows right at this second, right? Because we saw at the yeah. end of chapter 11, you know, Lex or Superman watched and waited. Um, but um, he, he comes in and he's acting all normal and then boom, everything's super fucking serious. And he's just, without saying anything else, he's just like, there's a small box in my briefcase, take it out, put the watch and the necklace in it, which means he knows both of the items that were in the drawer that she hasn't finished opening. Yeah. Yet. And I, well, yeah. And I guess like at the minute that the, that the drawer opened, he would have been able to see what he was looking at. Well, kind of, except for, I don't know if she got it all the way open or what, oh, but yeah, like he also can't use his x-ray vision on it because it'll, you know, serious retinas like yeah, tuna steaks. So he's, yeah, <laughs> tuna steaks. he, he it knew was, it would have been sort of like that scene in like Pulp Fiction. Like when she opened up the drawer, it would have just been this like blinding light coming out of, out of the drawer. It'd be like, what the fuck is that in there? Oh, I killed Marcus or I killed uh, Marcellus Wallace's soul earlier. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. part of a story I'm working uh, on. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I love how say what again? <laughs> one of the best lines in cinema. <laughs> Language. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So that, that's where this this that that comes up right here. Oh right. yeah, she does it right there. So yeah. So Lois knows she's busted, and she's like, "What is it? Fuck! I don't know what to say." And he's like, "Language," which was like a total uh, reminded crossing uh, comic book universes. But that's the the Captain America line. That's right. I'm glad I didn't have to make that reference. Shit! Language! Wait a second. No one else is going to deal with the fact that Cap just said language? I know. Anyway, what I like about this, too, is that, like, it's heavy. Because, I, you know, she was unsure about what to do here. And she's like, okay, fine, I'll go along with it. And then the second that he knows, not only is she like, I think, feeling guilty for being caught, but she feels guilty for doing it at all. And so she's just like, Clark. And he's like, now, please put it in there. And then she does. And he comes up. And again, Clark is, I, I, and the, the voice actor does a lot of good justice to it because it doesn't say, you know, said Clark sadly or something. But mm-hmm. he just comes up and he says, it seems we're less than perfectly honest with each other. Old habits, I guess. And she's like, fuck, I don't know what to say. 
language. Um, <laughs> he says, I'm not angry. Like thing, yeah, like everybody's like super afraid, like, oh, what if Superman snaps and like we keep we we're throwing you know, Superman into situations that would cause one to snap and it keeps sort of like conspicuously sticking out as like sort of how even keeled he is about it. Like it's almost like, like before when, you know, he's kind of torturing himself over Calhoun and, and how hard it is to hear the whole world suffering in his head all the time. Like we see him, you know, kind of on the edge, but it seems like something sort of like flipped over for him and he's sort of like found some sort of ability to, just kind of cope like he's a lot more calm and level-headed now at this point yeah i think and he he mentions when he gets to lex's office that like you know people change i think that he's he's had a bit of a you know a level up in his own mind about himself and who he wants to be and so i don't i think he's going to be much harder to flap from this point on you know like he came off largely unflappable unflappable before but i think that his his flappableness has gone even harder higher lower whatever um, I also like, so, uh, this line, I'm not angry, just disappointed. It's like, come on, Clark. <laughs> we all know that's worse. <laughs> I know it was like such a, like that totally sticks with his, like, you know, uh, Cary Grant Wonderbread vibe. Right. Uh, you know, he's, he's not even going to say, oh, drat. <laughs> you know, I'm just disappointed. <laughs> don't take, don't take the name of drat in vain. <laughs> And then she confirms that it was Lex that gave it to her because he's like, you know, I already know, but tell me. And she says, Lex. Yeah. And well, I'm off to have a talk with him. And <laughs> I know, right? like, oh, dang. And this is conversation. Superman at this point has been gone for some weeks, right? Oh, um, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So then we get just, again, I think one of the best lines in the story, just uh, we get a line break and Superman to see you, sir, said Mercy. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, Lex just looks at her and it's like the fuck she got announced that the world is ending and still acts like she was bored oh well did you say what was regarding the fate of humanity without even yeah, so much as raised eyebrow or polite cough like this character uh <laughs> i talked about this but if you haven't seen it the uh it's uh the sort of spin on not spin off but it's kind of the second penny dreadful um she totally reminds me of natalie dormer's character in that show it was a good really good show too oh the, uh, the like uh she's like the personal aide to like the i don't know if he, he's like a city councilman on uh like like los angeles city council or something something yeah but, uh but yeah she's sort of i mean it's pretty much exactly this character she's like you know the very hyper competent you know assistant to the she's you know the woman behind the man um yeah mercy's and the also, best. yeah the same yeah and that's but and that's sort of same like she's sort of kind of um you know a little bit robotic uh, uh so yeah so it was, I, yeah i like this character as an anime reminded me, reminded me a lot of that same character and Penny Drupal. I'll just give it a shot. Yeah, it's a good show. I saw a couple episodes of the. Um, oh no, wait! I was thinking of it's the other show that the, the other Penny, the first Penny Dreadful, which I kind of like, was a lot more campy. This one was. Uh, it was very different. I was surprised. It was written by the same guy. Uh, a lot more, a lot less campy. It was just really well done. I don't know if it was. It also did just. just I don't know if I said this last time. Like a really good job of sort of like being faithfully describing like 1930s Pasadena, which is where I'm from not from the 1930s. I'm not that old, um, but it was like, like that part was really good. It was just, it, 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 it was trying a lot harder to just sort of be like a kind of a, like a good atmosphere and, and the, and the, the, the filming was really good too. So it was a good show. Nice. It was very different. Had Super the same good. dude from Penny Dreadful though. Had That's the, right. Scarecrow. Uh, Scarecrow. 
Oh wait, no, I'm no, the dude, the dude that pay, played Frankenstein in the first Penny Dreadful played this like Nazi doctor dude. Oh, you know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of um, Peaky Blinders. Oh yeah, yeah no, no. okay, yeah. That still, has... Was that good? Was Peaky Blinders good? I haven't watched it. Uh, my wife enjoyed it. I don't know. If she, I know that they did another thing too, where like they changed scenery or something. I think at least their mm-hmm. outfits changed from the earlier seasons. I can't remember if they did like another, you know, kind of like spinoff thing or what. I didn't see the show, but it seemed interesting. All right, so. More interesting than Peaky Blinders is Superman just showing up and uh, Lex just, ah, well, uh, send him in. <laughs> um, I know. And and Lex, and he does the same thing uh, in the last scene with Lois. He has this very sort of uh, almost a Donald Trump kind of like the rich, powerful person's sort of narcissism of believing that uh, you don't have to try very hard to lie to people and they'll believe you anyway. Um, like an unawareness of how bad they are at lying. <laughs> I think Lex is really good at lying. I, I, well, I except any comparison to him, lying, Donald Trump, lying. I don't like. Yeah. Other than their, their yeah. lavish living arangements, I was, and, and the sort of the levels of like disconnected narcissism. Uh, a little like Lex isn't quite as like trying to get people to suck up to him for his, you know, to stroke his ego, but he does have that kind of like disconnected. Uh, lack of giving a fuck about anybody other than himself, except like he has this sort of like, Oh, I'm trying to take care of humanity thing, but it's a very much not in a, like actually giving a shit about humans kind of way. Sure. But Trump doesn't pretend to even do that. I, this is my thing with narcissism is I've always been kind of like on the fence about how to diagnose, you know? So like if somebody is narcissistic, that's one of those like overused terms. Oh, no, no. I mean, it's definitely a, I mean, it might be overused, but you can point to a thing and say this person's narcissistic. But if that person is as awesome as they say they are, as they think they are, like, Mm -hmm. you know, so Lex is pretty unbelievable or, you know, straining credulity awesome, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, you know, if if Isaac Newton, you know, was looking at people and be like, oh, I'm smarter than all you bunch of, you know, plebeian muggle pricks, like, is he narcissistic? Because he's right, right? <laughs> this therapist was talking. The problem with Donald Trump is that he's too good of a textbook case of narcissism that everybody thinks like that's what it's supposed to be. It's usually <laughs> like much more subtle. Hundred percent. Yeah. He's like yeah. usually they're they're not exactly right on the nose like he is. Yeah. All right. So Superman, Superman himself walks into the study. You know, cape, outfit, the whole nine yards, <laughs> and. Uh, He's just like, Lex is like, oh, hi, we haven't been introduced yet. I was a bystander at a bank robbery thing. Uh, you know, you probably know who I am already. But then he gets up and shakes his hand and he tries not to imagine his you know, fingers being mashed to pulp. And he can tell he's, I think, fairly understandably scared shitless of Superman. But just the, the mental, Im- like this is where, like you said, the writing drama, not so much like the, you know, two giant monsters fighting each other drama yeah. of like, Superman walks in, they shake hands over his desk and Superman sits down in one of his chairs and grabs one of the books and, Hey, can I, can I go through this real quick and show you something? And, um, it's just, and he tries to talk and he just waves him off. And it's like, what are you going to do when Superman waves you off? And it's like, I'm going to shut the fuck up. Right. <laughs> I know. Right. Especially because sort of like, and even like Lex's sort of impression of himself and his, uh, impression of what Superman is like, uh, like Lex thinks he, would be able to just sort of like talk circles around this dolt Superman. Uh, and that's kind of what he's running up against is like, Oh shit. Um, like this guy isn't as much of an idiot as I thought. Uh, and like all of the machinations that he all went through, like they all kind of fall apart here. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, so Superman goes through the book and he's like, Oh yeah. So here you're talking about X-ray vision and you assume that there must be some sort of like, you know, 
you know, I think he even says hitherto unknown particle. I think that's at least the second or third time hitherto unknown has come into the story. And I like that <laughs> phrase. Um, Marvel tie in. It's like uh, Dr. Strange says in Infinity War hitherto undreamt of. And it's like, that's a dope, dope way of phrasing things of saying rather than, you know, new knowledge or unimaginable hitherto undreamt of. Anyway, um, so he's like, oh, yeah. So the crypto particles permeate the universe and pass cleanly through every known element aside from lead. And that's what they guess in the book. And he's like, yeah. so, all right. So imagine that there's something like that. And there's like a mineral that emits this stuff. What do you suppose it looks like to my x-ray vision? And he's like, uh, I like right. it. It was, a, it was a great sort of reversal. Like, cause we, we have kept sort of like setting up like Lex, you know, thinks of himself as, you know, again, like smarter than mortals. And, and he keeps like mistakenly thinking like, underestimating Clark as just, you know, a person capable of intelligent thought. And so like, this is because Clark is even a little bit like condescending towards Lex in this moment. He's like, well, what do you think that would look like to somebody who can see those, uh, that kind of radiation? So he's like, so like Clark sits down, he's like, let me explain something to you, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> it's delightful. Yeah. Lex yeah, is on the back foot this entire time. I know, right? Yeah. So, you know, ahead of this, he's just been the, the the secret mastermind the guy with you know six steps ahead playing three-dimensional chess and on this one he's just like oh shit oh damn whoops damn it like over and over <laughs> yeah, I know. this whole like, thing but yeah he keeps like having a retreat back he's like oh this fucking is gonna work yeah he keeps he's and he keeps trying like trying to hold on he's like okay i gotta give this up but he keeps he's having to sort of give ground more and more but try to you know, okay, I won't say this. He's trying to maintain any kind of advantage he, he can, and it kind of just entirely falls apart. Um, yeah. And then he explains that he stole a piece and did some science with it on himself. I also like how he says, I won't bore you with the details of how I stole it, but suffice it to say, I can see through walls and move as fast as I want to, which makes me <laughs> an right. excellent thief. I like how, like, he doesn't say, uh, in fact, this is a fun thing. This might be the last reference to Superman's speed. Um, this was just a fun little thing that Alexander Wales threw in this, that every time they reference Superman's speed through this entire story, it's faster every time. How do you mean fast? Oh, that is a the, like, the, the every, description every, of how fast it is? Exactly. Mm. So like the first time I was like, oh yeah, faster than a, you know, a, a, a car, faster than a, like speeding bullet doesn't mm. come up till later. Um, and this one, as fast as I want to, sounds about as fast as, you know, it sounds as fast as he wants to, right? Mm -hmm. So I think this is like the, the final... <laughs> He's finally reached his final level. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he has reached his final form. His final form. But yeah, it, it's just another, it's one of those like little fun Easter eggs that Wales threw in there. Um, all right. So yeah, I also like to like, and so Lex, you know, continues to try to bullshit him. Uh, and again, this open, like his sort of like waving of his hand, uh, like, you know, shut up little boy. Um, and that I, I sort of like, he's all he says is I don't believe you rather than trying to like sort of attack it as like, oh, this isn't, you know, believable because of X, Y, or Z. It was just, you know, he doesn't even try to debate him on the merits of his bullshit. He's just like, I don't believe you. You and I both know that you're full of shit. So, you know, just stop. It's, it's almost like he's not even asking, asking for him to stop lying. He's just sort of like, I mean, yeah, you're, you're lying and I don't believe it. So whatever. What, what I love about that too. And just again, with the, the insane tension of the, of having a, a, just a, an interrogation where you're being interrogated by Superman. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so Lex is like, Oh, I, I was blackmailed. I was, you know, and so it, it, like, like uh, you said, Superman says, I don't believe you. He said with a half smile and it's know, like, right? Oh, and it's almost okay, like, yeah, stuck. Like, yeah, and he's not even any sort of like 
conflict with him in terms of like, oh, I need you to admit that you're full of shit. He's just like, well, you are full of shit. And I know that. And, you know, if I really don't care if you feel like admitting to it or not. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> right. Well, he wants a con- he wants a confession in 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 a in a company with his unconditional surrender. And I like that a lot. And he's like, uh, oh, wait. Yeah, sorry. The, right before that, he talks about how he deduced that Lex was behind the bombings because um, Calhoun would like bring them up when he was doing whatever the opposite of praying is to Superman, but only like in the times where it was clear he was making shit up, just trying to annoy him. And, and again, yeah. And he's able to just sort of like deduce from the way that Calhoun talks, what that means about what uh, Luthor's involvement was. Yeah. I also, this is just one of the most badass fucking lines. It doesn't matter who says it, but it's 10 times as awesome coming from Superman. He says, uh, I'm willing to accept your unconditional surrender. Ah, what does that entail? Part of an unconditional surrender is that you don't get to ask that question. I think it's just like the total like alpha vibe to the whole thing is like, you never get the impression that like that Superman is trying to, I mean, he is, but like, he's not concerned with the outcome of these you know, concessions he's trying to extract out of Lex. He's just more like trying to observe what the outcome is going to be. He's like, okay, this is what you're going to do for me. Um, let me know if that's how it's going to play out. Like, like I have two options out of this that I'm equally okay with, which is either you become the dude that helps me do good shit or you become not a problem to anybody anymore ever again. Let me know which one you choose. Right. Like he's not like there's, there's kind of like there's a, like a level of giving up of power if you're like trying to convince somebody of something and then worried about which choice they'll make. And he's like, he seems very unconcerned. Like he's, yeah, he has a preference, but he's like, he feels very fine either way. Yeah. He doesn't need Lex. Yeah. Right. And he doesn't need his cooperation. You know, it's like, Hey, I'm giving you the option. You can cooperate or not. You know, I'll do whatever. I'll be fine either way. I just, I, I still can't get over that line. Uh, part of an unconditional, Part of an unconditional surrender is you don't get to ask that question. That sounds like you mentioned Pulp Fiction earlier. That sounds like something Jules would say to, you know, the guy they got in the back seat, right? <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? It's like, you don't get to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> you have not caught up yet with how this dynamic is working. Right. I, I'm calling the shots. And toned. Yeah, it, it's it's only because I feel like having this conversation that you're not dead yet, right? Or thrown into my my again, he talks later about I'm going to build a jail and you'll be the second inmate in my prison. Um, it's like, yeah, you're, you're here because I'm allowing you to be here, which has always been the terror. That's also what's great about this, right? That's the terrifying thing about Superman. Like, yeah. so what's interesting, like, the, but as, like, he very much more so than at any point in the story until here, he, he very much comes, he is definitely not unhinged. Like, he is a dude very collected. And like, he's thought this through and he's not overreacting to anything. Um, and he's even like sort of what he's about to like get in into here. Like he's sort of arrived at this level of self-reflection that Lex has never done. Like you do get this sense that like, oh, he's like, this is kind of a new Superman um, in a way that like, yeah, he does totally like, you know, control Lex at this point, or he thinks he does, um, but not in any sort of like unhinged way. Like he's very being the concern that Lex has had about, Oh, what happens, you know, you know, how dangerous is unhinged Superman to the universe? Like he's, he's very much less so that, that you, you kind of have much less anxiety about, you know, like he's not snapping anymore. Like this is a guy that's sort of like figured his shit out. Um, Like he's much less volatile at this point. What, what, 
and part of him being like less volatile, volatile and, and shakable is it's like, you know, when we're talking with methods of rationality, like if Harry got his way and he could do whatever he wanted, he might be really dangerous. Um, like we're, we're just kind of lucky that now that Superman settled on who he wants to be, that he's going to be a chill, good dude. Cause he walks in here with this attitude of I can do whatever I want to you and to the world. You're right. I am that scary, but lucky for you and for the planet, I'm a good guy. And so, yeah, then that's what, what he gets into. And we, what he, uh, then what he, what he says to Lex is like, uh, cause I think he even to some extent sort of acknowledges the validity of worrying about an unhinged Superman. Um, but what he says to Lex is you never changed your mind about how dangerous I am based on anything you saw about how I act. Um, that like you stuck with the like sort of abstract concept of, you know, Superman is dangerous and we can't afford to, you know, let him go unhinged, but you never changed your mind based on, you know, any change you saw in my behavior or in how I act. Um, you just sort of like latched on to this paranoid fear and never let go of it. Right. As you said, he didn't update his priors on new information. And what I like about that too is like, this is where Superman's acknowledging the same thing. Um, like, uh, well, so there's a couple things that I like here. Um, he also says, uh, I decided to kill Calhoun and then I worked backwards to figure out all the ways I could make that into the single best choice. And that's what we in, in the biz call bottom line reasoning. Um, but he's, he realizes that he made a similar, uh, like error in judgment when he's thinking about like, why was I doing what I like, why was I just like, you know, stopping muggings and he wants it because he was afraid of taking, like he wanted his responsibilities to stay small. Right. Yeah. And that's a really like interesting way to phrase it coming from, you know, Superman. Right. But it's true. Um, he's like, no, I don't want to interfere with the, with the world at large because if I fucked up, you know, cause we, like he talked about through, through the story with Lois, like, no, think about this. If I went out to eat, right. I could, it would drive business to that business and, you know, could put the competitor out of business and like everything he's worried about constantly, the externalities of his actions. And he, he doesn't want to have that level of responsibility. Right. Yeah. So he's, but then, and then now he, but now he kind of does. And that's like what he, and sort of like the vision he kind of draws out for Lex is like, you're going to be like the COO of Superman Incorporated. Um, and what we do is try to do the most good. And like, you know, I am a dude that can move mountains and let's figure out how moving mountains can help people. Exactly. Before um, that, there was so one. He has, yeah. And he has this sort of like very sort of kind of like mature sense of it. He's like, he, cause he even knows that like, you know, that's going to be complicated. And Lex is a dude good at dealing with complicated shit. Um, so it's like, it's sort of like he has what kind of Lex and Lois had been talking about, like, oh, if Superman has the ability to do all these things, then why isn't he doing X, Y, and Z? And he kind of does arrive at that. He's like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to start doing X, Y, and Z. Um, but kind of in a more like a less, um, abstract way than, than Lex and Lois were talking about. He's like, as he's sort of like thinking about it in the concrete, like of, okay, what am I actually going to do? He's like, I will need help with that. That's going to get complicated, but. It's, it's like he does sort of like accept like the valid part of that, which is, you know, I could be doing more uh, and it's only been for like sort of like selfish, fearful reasons that I haven't. Um, so he kind of like he doesn't it's almost like he takes on the kind of valid parts of the points that they were making, but not in a just sort of like, oh, I'm just going to do the thing you said. It's like, again, it's like he's like become kind of this more mature person. It's like, you know what? That's true. I should be doing more. Yeah. So it's, I will. it's awesome. There was the fun line right before he kind of comes to that, before he lays that all out where he was saying that my thinking was tainted by fear and so is yours. 
And I like Lex's response. He says, fear is natural response to the chance of obliteration. It's what saved our ancestors, my ancestors anyway, <laughs> death. And it's like, heh, smooth burn on that alien, bro. <laughs> <laughs> But, I love those things. That sort of, as I read that, that sort of struck me as like uh, the kind of line that uh, that he would have written, like not into, like he would have started to write it, and then it would have occurred to him, like, oh wait a minute, Superman's not doesn't have the same ancestors. Like one of those again, like you sort of giving yourself over to the reality of the own story you're telling. He's like, oh wait a minute, that would be true too, and like, oh, and that fits with the kind of thing Lex would say. And I like those kind of things. I think that could be it. It's also maybe that's just the kind of line that he had in mind already because yeah. the, the other thing about this too is that, you know, by saying my ancestors, like it's entirely, I think it's not unreasonable to assume that most advanced life in the universe probably has some form of like some shared psychology like that, right? Because there's, there's competition and natural selection as just a, a process of the universe. But that said, um, like by emphasizing my ancestors, he's still othering Superman as this, he, he's still thinking of him as this, this dangerous, unpredictable alien, right? When he showed himself to be basically a human. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, especially in that like little, and I'm not sure like how sticking to the original idea that is, but I like that idea of like Kryptonians are this completely bizarro alien looking thing uh, that would be really hard to wrap your head around. And that like whatever sort of weird AI thing was on a spaceship just decided to build a human um, that it kind of really did stick like he is a lot more human in, in that sense and that like he was built to match the planet he's on um yeah which it, in some ways sort of makes him a little less alien totally i liked his line i think i was actually born on american soil he's like i'm an american god damn it <laughs> rather i'm an american gosh darn it um, gosh darn it. anyway so yeah he says you're gonna be the ceo doing good shit like you said and um he's like well what's 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 the catch like what do you mean and he's like, well, no more lead, no more codes, no more other languages, no more secrets. You give me my shit back. You stop trying to trying to find a way to kill me. And uh, by the way, you don't talk to Lois again and you keep Clark Kent a secret. Um. <laughs> yeah. And I, like, he kept saying, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, being Clark Kent is important to me. And that like stuck out, too, is just like that was a thing that Lex never understood. Like, why would somebody want to do that? Um, and Lex still doesn't understand it, but like Clark's pointing out to me, he's like, you know what, being a regular human being is important to me. Um, and I think that's, that's where Lois and him finally like kind of diverged is when Lois came to understand that Superman was Clark Kent in a costume, not that Clark Kent was Superman in a costume mm -hmm. that made all the difference. I think Lex yeah. never really saw the, the other side of it, even having known that he had a childhood and grew up in Kansas. Right. Yeah. Like him. And there was and I think yeah because like I don't he doesn't really like regard anybody. He doesn't get humans. Um which I now as we're saying that that's sort of I think is part of his fondness for mercy is how not human she is. <laughs> she is just kind of like mechanical and efficient and does exactly what he needs whenever he needs it uh and reliable and you know super smart like she, she's all the things one would want out of you know, the impersonal servant that you regard the rest of people as. Yeah. And then he's got this line that uh, you, you pulled out briefly in the notes where he says, I believe there's a goodness in you, Luther. I'm still a Christian and you're, and the, and the Bible is, excuse me. And the story of the Bible is one of redemption. I have nothing to fear from you. And you're in a, you're in a, why can't I talk? You're in a unique position to affect positive change. While I feel it would, why, bleh. all right, I suck. Whatever this, this quote, this paragraph is awesome. Um, <laughs> He's like, all right, look, I'd like I to be like, in prison, I like, but I can't prove right. it. And you can actually do a lot of good. So you're a smart man. You know, I'm offering you a good deal. Yeah. It's like Shark I Tank. Liked how, I, I, I like the way that, that 
like th- that it brought up and we've had this like in a few ways that like okay superman is christian uh, but it wasn't just like they didn't just put like oh christian paint job on him like that this this was really sort of like substantive in how it like influences the way a clark kent deals with the world that it was like i sort of liked how it sort of like validly included this as part of his personality in a way that was sort of like meaningfully influencing the decisions he's he makes that like it's not just like i'm not just wonder bread i'm not in a bad way like it is a christian thing for me to believe in your redemption and for me to want to try to make something good out of you rather than just you know pummel you into the ground um so i like like i like how that sort of got tied in with with the way in which he is kind of like has a more of a sophisticated mind in and that that included this sort of like christian vibe to it not that like there was anything about the moral decisions that he made that were like sort of exclusively Christian or anything, but they were like tied to that. Like it was not a coincidence that, you know, Clark was raised in Kansas by, you know, good Christian folk and he was, and there were, and good things came of that. Yeah. I, it's like, there's a, there's a handful of, of religious super or superheroes, but like, it doesn't really, at least it never really does anything. Um, even in like the, the modern good, renditions of superheroes like captain america is christian but you hear about it like twice in passing yeah, um daredevil is like his catholicism was kind of a huge deal but even in the tv series it barely comes up right and in this like you said it you know he could have come to these this you know his ethical conclusions on redemption and how to treat people from anywhere but no it comes from his upbringing and it's it doesn't straw yeah, man his, his christianity yeah. exactly yeah and, and they didn't make it into a caricature you know yeah totally yeah that's cool um I also like, he says, you're a smart man. You know, I'm offering you a good deal. He says, you are. And I I watch a lot of Shark Tank and it makes me think of that. Um, (laughs) He's the last shark who's still in and he's, you know, extorting the hell out of him. But hey, it's either that or no deal. So um, where if you don't take the deal, you get to live in a hole with uh, with dead shots. (laughs) I know, right? Um, I know. Yeah, that, that's what I I had forgotten that the that the dude in the hole was was supposed to be Deadshot. I'm like, oh, so what is that saying in this this alternate universe? I, I guess that's the end of Deadshot. He doesn't make it into. Uh, he doesn't get to be in uh, Suicide Squad. Nope. I, He's in a hole in Alaska. And then uh, I also like this just because I feel like it's him flexing on what he knows is Luther's greatest fear. Um, so Luther says, "Yeah, you're offering him a good deal. I, you hadn't struck me as being so level headed." And he says, people change. And then he blurs forward. And then, boom, he's standing in front of the desk, <clears> towering <throat> over him, his expression deathly serious. And he says, I feel like this goes without saying, but it could kill you in a heartbeat. And just like, you know, he said, I, he's, I still just imagine him, you know, leaning back, one arm on the chair, legs crossed, just kind of chill. And then, boom, he's right there. It's yeah. like, I could, you know, you realize that I am as scary as you think I am, but I'm not going to be scary. We're going to get stuff. Like, I like, like there, and there would have been some sort of like, like, airway like it would have been like a balloon pop kind of thing like he moved so fast he would have like been creating vacuums behind him like there would have been some sudden like little like pop sound or it just would have been there would have been some sort of like unsettling physics going on of suddenly a body's able to move that fast right the chair slides back oh, yeah, yeah, yeah the chair slides back yeah, yeah. just yeah just like, poof. like oh, yeah fucking shit it's just make teleported it really twitchy. yeah <laughs> and so then i like this too um like you said lex is coming around like reluctantly He's like, well, okay, you know, because Lex is thinking, well, maybe I can use the, his pacifism against him. And well, no, maybe it makes sense just to accept the reality of, this, of Superman. You know, Kryptonite doesn't seem workable as a solution. And uh, really, like, it's unworkable if he's going to work outside the law. So I might as well, like, I think, what is the phrasing? I love it. It says, it wasn't the, en- it wasn't the ending that I, um, let me find it because it's awesome. Oh, here we go. 
Lex nodded stiffly. All his preparations and caution had been for nothing. This wasn't the end that he wanted, but it was the best that he could have hoped for after his masks had been taken away from him. Yeah. I was a little confl- – I, I was bothered a little bit because now we're about to find out like, oh, no, and he actually does end up killing Superman. That Because it, it did seem like we were legitimately in his head and he was basically giving up um, and that we didn't – I mean, it would have blown the surprise, but we didn't have – he did seem to be like fully giving up in his head, but we didn't have him like still sort of churning in the back of his head, like the still possibilities among which is by the way, this whole office is lined with kryptonite. Um, that, that, that bugged me a little bit in that it was like, we were kind of a little bit being lied to by the narrator. So I think there's a bit of that and maybe unreliable narrator is part of it, but the other thing too is so, well, and we'll get there when we get there, uh, to talk about it in more detail, but cause I want to do it, you know, step by step. But the, like his, his, his knee jerk reaction, as soon as, you know, Superman goes to fly out of there, is pure knee jerk, right? Like maybe if he had had 10 minutes to think about it, he would have, instead, instead of running out there and shooting him in the face, he would have gone out there and carefully taken the, you know, the shards of kryptonite out of him and said, look, I'm sorry, let's keep doing the good thing. But it was just, it was a pure panic, right? Yeah. And so he's like, now's my only chance. If I still want to do the thing I've been aiming towards for the last over a year, now's my second to do it. Um, rather than, and he doesn't doesn't let himself like reconsider. Yeah. Well, I never get, yeah, I never got the impression that he was ever going to be like in the good guy business voluntarily. Um, so that, yeah, once he again saw the opportunity to kill Superman, he was totally going to take that. And that felt like, like he had never actually departed from that, from that motive. Um, he just felt like he had no choice. And so then once he was back in a position of feeling like he had a choice, he's totally going to kill the fuck out of Superman. Um, so yeah. So how does that happen? Well, uh, Lex or Superman's getting ready to leave and he just says, don't cross me. I hope you can see that this is a good deal for both of us. And as he's getting up to leave, he's just, I like this line too. This will be the last time we see each other in person or rather the last time that you see me, I'll be watching you. I kind of imagine him doing like the fingers, you know, pointing at his eyes. And, um, <laughs> oh yes. The, yeah. Two eyes on your, fi- on your two so, fingers on your eyes. That's the one. Yeah. And then he goes to look at the door and he's just, then this is where you're thinking it's over. And then you're like, hold up a minute. Just Miss Graves, please move away from the door. Yeah. And, and, that, instead, and that, again, like, just like, even if he can't see through like the lead door, he can still hear everything. He's like, oh yeah, she's right there. Um, so yeah, he's like, please move away from the door. And then she opens it uh, again. It's like a, a sort of another cool description of, of, of his superpowers. But, but yeah, so she just like starts to crack open the door. And then before she even get it, like barely open at all, he's already, he's, you know, he, bamps himself over behind uh <laughs> crossing the crossing the universes of superhero special effects um he's like suddenly goes over like right behind uh lex before she can even get into the room and he's like uh basically holding lex's skull in both a like oh i could turn you into uh jelly anytime i want but also like very delicately holding his jaw shut so he can't talk um and then uh, so then Mercy walks in with a, wait, how was it? I, I pictured sort of like a baseball of, of kryptonite. Yeah. It um, says that it's a brick the size of a baseball. Okay. Oh, okay. I, did say that. I also like um, to like, just imagine. So it says, you know, Lex is sitting there head in Superman's hands and like this. Well, actually there's two things about this. One, this has been like, you know, he's been trying to avoid a confrontation with Superman directly the whole time. And now literally he's standing here gripping his head. And this is also that nightmare that he had, right? Where, where, uh, where all of humanity is standing in a line and Superman's, you know, patiently going from one person to the next, squishing their head. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. So here he is standing there. Superman that, you know, again, he can't, it says that he's not even in discomfort, just firm hands. So like, you know, he's not being painfully gripped. It's just like, Oh yeah, there's the force of a mountain holding my head in perfect stillness right now. Like this is the terror of what he's been afraid of this entire time. And it's right. Literally grabbing his, grabbing him by the head. Um, Yeah. And then this, and so then the part uh, that I wondered about was, and so, you know, he's like, okay, you know, don't do anything or I'll crush your boss's skull. Um, and so then he lets Lex talk and Lex uses the, he's like, Lex just, he doesn't get the, all the words out, but he tells Mercy to uh, throw the kryptonite at Superman. Uh, and then what I wondered was what was going through Lex's head at that point. So it seemed like he was definitely thinking that, okay, if we do this to Superman, he's going to blow through the wall and, um, and then get, uh, taken out by the kryptonite that I've planted in the wall. But I was wondering like, to what extent did he think that he was like gambling with his life at that moment? I guess, I guess, no, not so much gambling with his life. Cause he seemed pretty confident that he knew Superman wasn't just going to murder him. Um, but I was wondering like, to what extent did he think it was um, the likelihood that Superman was going to blow through the wall and get messed up by the kryptonite versus um, like he, cause something Superman could have done was like, I mean, yeah, the kryptonite would have been fucking him up a little bit, but he still would have been like speedy enough due to just duck around mercy and out the door behind her. Um, yeah. And it might've like fucked him up, but like that was a doable thing, but it wouldn't have, I mean, probably, but he wouldn't have been worried about it. He would have just blown to the back wall. Cause that would have been easier, but it didn't seem like that. That wasn't a definite outcome, how that was going to work. And so Lex was rolling the dice, not only on that, because if that didn't work, Lex just fucked himself. Like he was definitely choosing the like, no, you're going to stick me in a hole in Alaska choice. Right. Um, if that didn't work. So like, I was wondering like, you know, how was, how was Lex feeling about that rolling of the dice in that moment? Or was he just sort of like, ah, fuck it. Like, Honestly, I think it's like, I think it's important to consider like the, like the broader level, like the, the tools of rationality are available and the like one of the tricks of doing it well is to be able to like hone the techniques so that you can try and use them reflexively and quickly, but more often than not, you need time to think, right? Yeah. I think that right now, if I if I'm Lex and I'm putting myself in his head, all he's feeling is is petrifying fear. And so when he's like, "Do the thing that Superman doesn't want you to do," like that's just a purely reflexive response. I don't think he had a plan. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, that, that I don't think that he right. had thought far enough ahead to even the fact that I am defle- I am defecting and Superman's going to put me in jail. I think he's just like, get him off of me. I'm freaking out. Yeah, I guess what's interesting though, so yeah, I think you're right. Um, but, you know, sticking somebody in that situation, that's still not necessarily, you know, put somebody in a, in a panic mode, um, you know, having, trying to, I mean, it was through mercy, but, but his reaction is to lash out at the person threatening him as he's in fear. Like the other way he could have gone is this dude could crush my skull. So mercy don't piss him off and we'll get out of the situation. Like, so it does. So I think, yeah, I think you are right, but it's then sort of like showing us like which way does a Lex Luthor go when he is in uh fight or flight mode? Like he went to, um, you know, going out in a blaze of glory. Cause I think that like, that was to some extent what he was, was thinking he was like, okay, this is either going to work or I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory. Like he was, I guess, like sort of uh, maybe just sort of like instinctually averse to the idea of sticking his tail between his legs and becoming the CEO of good guy. Yeah. I, it's interesting too. Like the other thing that Superman didn't have to do was play his hand so hard with the kryptonite explanation. 
you know, he could have said it gives me a headache or it disrupts my x-ray vision and nothing else. Like, yeah. you know, but the fact that he said, no, I took some home, did some science and confirmed that it can indeed hurt me. Like, why the hell would you tell Lex that? I think because you were demonstrating, look, it doesn't matter. Yes, you found a weakness, but it doesn't work. I think he, I think he was, I think and he was that playing it did that seem way. Like, yeah. And as he was saying that, like, as I was reading it, like that seemed believable, like, oh yeah, you know what? You're pretty, like he's Superman. You can't hide it from him and he moves faster than bullets and can take plenty, you know, and he can take a week to think about it while he's dodging the bullet. Um, so like that part I bought, I'm like, oh yeah, you know what? Kryptonite's just like not a plausible threat. Um, so like that part worked for me. Although I still, and, and now as we're getting there, I, I like, as we're hit, hitting the end of this, I felt I was bothered. And I don't know if this is just my reaction to uh, like the hyper confidence. Well, no, it is that like, it bothered me that this was, cause we've had like Lex has been sort of the quarrelish kind of character in that he's like, um, you know, over the top hyper like he's a little bit, not a little bit, he is the, that same kind of competence porn thing. And it bothered me that, that like the resolution to this whole thing was sort of like, you know, a validation of the fetishizing of competence porn. Cause it's like, it's like, it's not really like, you don't, this doesn't work in the real world that you're like that paranoid and, and try to, you know, Sherlock Holmes, your world enough that it actually works. Um, so it bothered me. Not that it's not necessarily going to work in any one sense. And he does kind of say like, oh, we got really lucky. But like this sort of ending bothered me as it because it was sort of like, okay, the way the story is resolving itself in the end is, um, you know, trying to overthink your universe and hyper control everything in a really OCD way is the thing that's going to work in the end. I mean, um, I think there's a lot to dig into there and we'll talk about it, especially when we get towards like, you know, when we wrap up the story and we'll have, we'll chat a bit after too. But like, I, there's something to the fact that yes, Lex, uh, through his just sheer paranoia managed to put up enough safeguards for something happened to work. And there is a lesson in that, you know, like if you, if you consider all your options to do everything you can, you might actually be able to protect yourself or do the thing you're trying to do, you know, attack the problem from every possible angle you can get your hands on. Um, but to me, like, yes, Lex defeated Superman, but I don't think that Lex won. Like, th this is not the outcome. This is not the optimal outcome. Lex is not the, this is not the, this is not the success story of a good rationalist, right? Uh, oh, yeah, I know. But it did, like, from Lex's point of view, he, he thinks that he won by being incredibly lucky. But, like, this is, he, and he, again, and we do get a little bit, like, he's sort of, like, unsaid. He's like, oh, the world's still a dangerous place and I need to be, remain hypervigilant. But, but this is basically what he was hoping for. He killed Superman. And now that, like, that threat is saw that i didn't get the impression he was like oh you know like oh i didn't do this right this isn't how i hoped it it would come out like superman's dead he's not and he's gonna get away with it entirely like he's not gonna be in any kind of trouble for it or be blamed um and yeah the world's still dangerous and maybe aliens are still coming but i didn't get the impression that there was anything about like like he had wished he had killed superman in some better way like the, like this part. Well, I think I think he came out great. Like this is exactly what he wanted. <laughs> I, there's two things with that that I have. One, so yeah, what happens is is uh, like Mercy throws goes to throw the ball as she's winding up for the throw. Superman just bamfs out of the room and through the back wall, which he didn't know was studded with kryptonite, and apparently gets a bunch of shards embedded in him, and he crashes in the yard. And then Lex leaves the brick of kryptonite on the ground. It says that he ignored it and grabbed his pistol and then runs out and shoots him in the face. And Mercy, being the fucking perfect genius that she is, comes out actually carrying the brick because what if we need this, right? Um, 
I like that a lot. Cause, and that also tells me again, that Lex was panicking. He ignored the brick that he knew would weaken him and instead went straight for the little bullets, which definitely worked. But like this whole thing screamed Lex panic to me. And again, rather than think through the odds, like I, I do think, I think that he was being honest with Superman, like where, you know, when Superman asks him like, what do you want? You know, do you actually care to make the world a better place? And he's like, yes, I helped drive the country out of the great, great depression more than anyone else on the planet. You know, if I was trying to give it a pretense of philanthropy, I could have gotten away with a lot less than what I actually did. Like, I actually do want to make the world better. And so when he runs out there, he shoots him. And so he has this line, or the, the story does. It should have been a masterstroke. If he had lured Superman into the room and sprung a trap, he would have, melt, he would have felt more of a thrill of victory. But as his thoughts yeah, went towards the conversation he had with Superman, he could tell there was another reason that he only felt hollow. There was a small seed of doubt. Lex had made his choice, and he made that choice for all of humanity. It still wasn't unreasonable to wonder whether that choice had been the right one. And so, like, that, that I think, is where, like, again, to me, it's not, like, yes, Lex defeated Superman, which is what he's, he's been trying to do the whole time. But I think that, you know, if he, were, if he were really smarter, he would have realized through this conversation, hey, you know what? Maybe I kill Superman in 50 years. Right now, let's have him jump humanity forward a thousand years. And, like, let's, yeah. let's actually get some shit done. Instead, in a moment of panic, he runs out and he, and he kills Superman. And yes, if you're, I, I'm sure he's able to rationalize it. Well, the, he also has the line that the seed of doubt couldn't be allowed to grow, not after the choice had already been made. Um, like, so after that but yeah, point- Yeah, no, you're right, yeah. Because it does at least like, like it is showing like Lex, like we're then definitely aware, but Lex is partially aware of sort of the imperfect of it. It's not like, I, that it was kind of fucked up what he, what he just did. And like, we're more aware of it and he's even a little bit aware of it. I like to, and, it, and you're right. This wasn't, it wasn't really framed to us as like, this was the inevitable. Like it wasn't yet, like he said, not him springing the trap. This wasn't like Superman was defeated because of the inevitable genius of all of Lex's little plans. Like he did, like it just barely worked and it was sloppy and not the way he was hoping. Um, yeah. 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 Right. It, it's just uh, like, <laughs> He even says that, like you know, studying the walls of the kryptonite was at the at the uh, the far edges of his paranoia, and he thought that it wasn't after the walk by. He thought it wasn't going to be enough, and he was actually angry about wasting the money. And so that combined with the fact of like he can't allow the seed of doubt to grow, not after the choice had already been made. It is a a rationalist no no to to like jerk your jerk yourself away from like thoughts that you don't want to think, mm-hmm. right? But of course, now the decision's too late. He didn't think this through. He just acted on, on impulse. And so, yes, there's not much sense in considering the counterfactual because he's fucking dead, right? So yeah. it's not like he's sitting there thinking about, do I pull the trigger? No, it's too late. He's already done it. And so uh, I... Yeah, and that's a, the other thing that it made me thought, like, as he was talking about, like, oh, I need to basically prevent... Basically, like I can't stop you when you go crazy, but I need to prevent it before it happens. Like, and I thought, like, that is, that's not necessarily true. And like the same thing, like what you were just saying, like you know, let him help humanity a ton before, even if you still are, you know, decided that you need to kill him. Like, uh, is it necessarily true that killing him later is harder than killing him now? And let him do a bunch of really good shit first. Um, I mean, it's it's probably true that killing him later is harder than killing him now, especially like. If so, so catching him by surprise would be the only way, right? Unless you could talk Superman into let like so. I guess there's two things. Unless you can talk Superman into letting you set up a, a dead man switch for him. Like I think people in the Discord are throwing around the idea of what that would even look like. It's like, all right, cool. Give Superman a backpack with kryptonite in it that like 
and I can't remember the details, but I can imagine saying, all right, cool, give half a people, uh, give half a dozen people on the planet a button. And if they all die, or if they all press the button, the backpack opens and you get killed. Like some, yeah, something like, like, like a, a kryptonite pacemaker or something. Right. Just so, something. And you might even be able to talk Superman into that saying, look, I don't know if Kryptonians can have strokes. Do you? Like if you, if you start throwing mountains around, then at that point, I can't stop you. Like, again, if you're throwing skyscrapers at my mansion, what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> so we, we need to stop you before you start doing that. Um, it's, uh, I don't know. What, what I love about the ending is that it's, it's suddenly like it, it builds up like, oh, this is going to be great. Like, can you imagine the combined yeah. might and the combined, uh, you know, chief operations officer of of Lex Luthor working to make the world a better place? And they're willing to operate outside the law and like just do whatever yeah, it takes. To get, because, yeah. And it also seemed like it was tied together with like sort of like this new maturity of Clark's. Yeah. Like that, like his vision of like, OK, all of this good I'm going to do and you're going to help me do it because you're good at the logistics shit. Um, like all of that, like it, it felt sort of, I don't know if plausible is the right word, but you're like, oh yeah, you know what? This will be good. And and Clark isn't the scary, you know, unhinged fuck that we were worried about. Like, like, cause it did sort of like pull you into the idea of like, oh yeah, you know what? This is a good idea. This can be good. So like that part I did like, it was like, and then no. And I think that that's what makes a surprisingly good ending. You know, like it would, it would have been a surprisingly, po- it would have been a positive and it would have also been a good ending if they, you know, it said, you know, the, the last paragraph was, and, you know, earth enjoyed many centuries of prosperity or something mm-hmm. um, like that would have been, that would have been tight too. But I think this, this was, I didn't see this coming and that that's an ending I enjoy. Right. Um, there's also a line. I didn't of- see it either way. Cause it, like, as it seemed like, yeah, I wasn't sure. Uh, so we went this way I, as we went and I didn't, I didn't really know, like, you know, is what is, you know, Superman going to win is, is Lex going to be defeated? Is Superman going to die? I, I didn't, come in with a lot of expectations it, it, it we weren't really being telegraphed how it was going and then and then we did get like okay this is what it's looking like and then it jerked that back so that part i, I thought that was well done yeah exactly the usurping of expectations is what i enjoyed like you know what would lex win or would superman win that's almost like an uninterest like you know both of those could have been done really well but that's almost uninteresting you know here we basically have two losers like yes lex lex technically you know he survived and he gets to do whatever he wants now but like the world is worse off for it. And that, that's the interesting part to me. Like it's a, it's a hollow victory. There was also the, the quick little. Get, Cause like the choice was like, Oh, let's go. It was like, this was the devil, you know, choice. Like now we can go back to the safe, mediocre bullshit that the world has been. Um, right. Like, okay. Yes. You avoided the, you know, catastrophe that you were statistically worried about. Um, but you also like threw away all of the cool shit that Superman could have done. Yeah. And there was a quick line I wanted to pull out too, that after he shoots him, it says it was far from the first dead person he had seen, but the sight still sent a surge of adrenaline through him. He wouldn't have been terribly surprised if he had passed out or threw up. And I'm like, that's Mm. the most human response to death we've seen from Lex this entire time. And part of me thinks that it's, you know, showing that Lex is a little more human than we thought, but it could also just be like, that's not the only reason Lex is about to throw up and pass out. Right. He's just realized that he's made this choice in a panic for all of, for the fate of all of humanity. Right. Um, yeah. And, and he's a little bit aware of that. Like that's, uh, that yes, this was heat of the moment, but that also like what Clark had been saying to him that, uh, he has been sort of like operating from kind of illogical fear, uh, and telling himself it was for all the right reasons. But, um, yeah. So. Yeah. I think that like, if 
I wonder, so this, this would have really demonstrated to me if Lex was a good rationalist or not, is if he had had a week to sit and think about it, and then they came back and had this scene, if Lex had done the same thing, then like, okay, yeah, then he he did, he, he clear, at least to my mind, he made the wrong decision. If he had had time to reflect on it, and this was his reflected, you know, I thought about this, and this is my answer choice. Um, mm-hmm. Instead, this was also just his, his immediate knee-jerk choice, right? Well, was it though? I mean, like what happened, I guess the like running up and shooting him, but, um, but planting all of the kryptonite in the walls was a thing he did. He did in advance thought out, not in the heat of the moment. And I would like his intent for doing that would be that that would kill Superman, wouldn't it? Or I guess not. It was just, I guess it was like, that's what makes the armor of lead even more armory (laughs) is if he sticks some kryptonite in it. So yeah, I guess. I I think, no, he definitely did it. He hadn't made a conscious. Well, no, because yeah, I guess. Yeah, he definitely put the kryptonite. He's basically carrying, like, yeah, it's heat of the moment, but he's basically carrying out the decision he'd calmly made from the beginning. Absolutely. And so that that's the thing. And putting the, putting the kryptonite in his house was no doubt an effort to try and hurt or kill Superman or protect himself or whatever. But what I'm getting at is that he didn't update at all from the conversation. Like, so he was told, I think reliably and accurately, look, you haven't been reasoning about this properly. Like, it, yes, it made sense to be terrified of me when I showed up because I'm scary as fuck. I know that. You know that. But I do good stuff. And like... You haven't updated on that at all. And I think Lex had the opportunity there to to realize, you know what? You're right. Um, oh, yeah. By being like he, if he'd had a week to think about what Superman had just told him. Exactly. Yeah. yeah so that's, that's what I'm saying is like if, if Superman had walked out of the room and then came back a week later. So what are your proposals? And then this whole scene happened. Um, yeah. If, if Lex had gone the same way, that would have been a different kind of thing. But he had the opportunity to level up his thinking here. And he didn't. Now, that's me being biased and saying, or not biased, but that's me. Um, I, I've, I've concluded that I think that the best outcome would have been for them to work together for the betterment of humanity, right? It might still have been the rational decision, depending on who you ask, et cetera. I don't really care um, uh, as, as to like, no, you know what? I've thought about it calmly. I've considered everything you've said, and I still think you need to die. Boom. Um, like that that might have been still a reasonable outcome, but it's not the, It's not what I would have done. Yeah. But, but up, up until that conversation, I was I could be very much in Lex's boots, right? Because um, if I only knew everything Lex knew, right up until Superman walked into his office and was talking to him, I, I would have pulled the trigger, right? But I would like to think that after I'd had this conversation with him and learned more, I would have done something with what I just learned. Lex did. Yeah, because yeah, he's definitely like, he has changed. Right. Superman has changed. Uh, yeah, and he didn't uh, change his thoughts about it at all. Exactly. Yeah. And also, yeah. It, and like I was saying before, like um, his sort of like fearful lashing out response is not the only response um, to go with. Like even even in the, um, you know, okay, you're not given time to, to stop and think about it. Um, his response is not the only knee-jerk response to have. Another re- a knee-jerk response is... Um, you know what, this guy's coming across as like sympathetic and with good intentions and no, I can't verify the truth of any of that, but uh, he, the irrational knee-jerk response is he seems like a nice guy. Let me go with the nice guy thing. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad way to look at it. And the other one is just, you know what, he's super threatening. If I just, you know, bow down right now, I can live to fight another day. Like that's also one of the knee-jerk responses you can go with without having time to think about it. Uh, but then he picked like the shittier of the, you know, the shittiest of them, which is just, let me just lash out. Um, right. You know, and, and he sees on the chance to kill him. Me, let me take him out. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I, I, again, I just for me, it leaves so much room for discussion and it's so uh, unexpected that that's of, of all the endings that I could have imagined. I wouldn't have guessed this one and I really enjoyed it despite it yeah. not being. Yeah. Especially like, because it was sort of like, like out of the, like just barely sort of like it was sort of sloppy, bad luck. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, if, it wasn't necessarily going to come out this way. Yeah. If it had been some master plan, that would have been less fun. Like this was just the fact that like, I can't believe that this, you know, the yeah, you know, surprise I think just, of it. Cause, cause yeah. Cause what had been rubbing me the wrong way was that I was, I was thinking about it as sort of like, 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 Oh, this was just like the fruition of his master plans. And, uh, and then it sort of made everything feel a little too, you know, tidy. Um, but no, it wasn't that at all. Really. It was, like he stumbled into it. Yeah. And the way that we're seeing is like, oh, you know, that's not actually really great. Even he doesn't think it's great. Exactly. Yeah. It wasn't like, aha, you've walked into my trap, Superman. It's like, fuck, I can't believe this worked out. Excuse me while I go, while I go puke, piss myself and faint. Right. Like, yeah. That, and too, like, that is not, this, that is not the response of a, of a, of a calm victor. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And like, because we started out with what seemed, uh, you know, a very reasonable position, which is, you know, it is just too fucking dangerous to have a Superman around. Like, that's where things started. And it didn't, this ending is not a saying, see, it is just too dangerous to have a Superman around. Um, not that we either, you know, refuted that either, but like it came out with the like, oh, you know what, that wasn't necessarily the right way to be looking at this either. Exactly. Yeah, it's awesome. It's nuanced. It's fucking tight. Yeah, like, well done, Alexander yeah. Wales. All right. And the, then we get, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm glad. All right. Um, there's one more thing on that, that I can't remember. Oh, I, I was just thinking. Gonna break my arm, patting myself on the back for it. What? <laughs> <laughs> I just updated my priors. So I'm going to, I'm going to congratulate myself overly much. Oh, good. And I'll congratulate you as well. <laughs> that is the kind of norms we want to enforce. When, when people change their minds, they get a high five and points. Um, nice. You know, I'm thinking too, like just like someone when Mercy says he had a lot of ways of dealing with the situation. How lucky did we just get? And Lex retreating into his rationalism is like, I haven't worked out the numbers yet, but that's not the response, right? <laughs> the real response is like, fuck, I have no idea. Like, you know, what he, I mean, the other things he could have done, he could have kicked the desk at Mercy, you know, breaking her legs, but not killing her. He could have thrown Lex at her, you know, breaking some other bones and then calmly walking out of the room. Like there, there were, and then he could have whatever, grabbed the, the lead-lined drawer of the desk and put it over the brick as he walks out of the room. Like, he had a thousand options, right? Um, but he happened to choose one that, you know, if I was Superman, might have made perfect sense. Definitely didn't hurt anybody doing it that way. But, boom, he didn't he didn't see that uh, there was another layer of paranoia underneath all that, right? Yeah. Awesome. So, I imagine that we... I guess this is just the next day or something, but to me, it feels like time has passed. We get a line break and... Clark has resigned from he got the sent in a letter of resignation and moved back to Kansas to take care of the farm. Um, interestingly, there's, uh, there's no uh, handwriting analysis in the 1930s. So right, <laughs> you know, even if there even if there was, no doubt, uh, you know, Lex had had found something that, Superman, that, that Clark had written. Right, of course, it was probably just a typewriter. Yeah, something would have been. But if it's a, like a letter of resignation, then you know you got to have a signature on that kind of stuff. But yeah. But I think faking signatures is definitely within Lex's uh, skill set. Yeah, totally. Um, and then uh, there was the oh, I had something about this. Um, oh, Lex calls her to let her know that Superman had been dealt with. And uh, I, you know, if and I that was, was I guess yeah, because I would think especially like that night, like she knew he was headed over to see Lex, and then she didn't hear from him. Like that would have been 
she'd have been worried for quite a while. And then when Lex says, you know, he's taken care of, like she knows what that means. And she's like, oh, fuck. And that's what makes his like denials of everything down when she goes to confront him. Like all the more kind of like, fuck you, Lois. I don't treat you as a person I know. anymore. I was, was like really well done. Because yeah, he's like, not. it's the bad kind of lying. The like, I'm not actually trying to convince you. I'm just, you know, I'm lying for the transcript. I'm, exactly. I'm talking into the tape recorder because mm-hmm. I already told you, hey, problems dealt with. And then I show up and ask about it. Be like, what problem? I, I had nothing to do with it. I, I was as heartbroken as anyone when he murdered somebody and fled the planet. It's like, fuck you, man. I know. Yeah. He, he becomes a bit more of a monster. Uh, even like, you know, he had, he had respected Lois. It seemed like, and now he doesn't respect her enough not to lie straight to her face as loud as he can. Um, well, yeah. The only, and cause now she's not useful to him anymore. Exactly. And that part is sort of never changed about him. Like he was only ever sort of nice, nice with her because he was using her. Yeah, um, and now he doesn't need her anymore. So I mean, you know, he did. He did. It seemed like at least he respected her a bit, like on the not useful level. I think there was like the thing where you know if things were different. He might have asked her on a date or something. So it was like maybe he also Even liked her as, I mean, as I'm remembering that, like that would have asked her on a date. There was something sort of like creepy about the way he said that too. As I'm remembering that, like it was a very kind of impersonal sort of like, yeah. It was. It's, I, I don't know. He might. Like, he might have considered her for one of his options of courtship. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it's only, yeah, it's very. He's the world's most eligible bachelor. Um, anyway, this little thing where uh, Jimmy says, "Oh yeah, you know Eleanor, the that chick that we met at the, met at the bar um, after Clark retired, she broke down and told me that you know we met because she was hired to investigate reporters." And um, yeah, and then like, wait a minute. Yeah, and then yeah, she- so that's how Lois figures out that like uh, like the timing of that. Uh, and for her to have been hired means that Lex was already looking into it way before he pretended to um, to have found out. Exactly. Uh, so she just and so that she starts putting two and two and two and two together, like realizing the amount of bullshit that has to have been coming from Lex this whole time. Right. So, and I think she even without talking to him, at, even at that point, then infers that all of the bombings that he must have been involved in the bombings as well. Yeah, I think that, like you said, it's just the, it wasn't just the fact that, oh, wait, Lex was behind this, but it's like, wait, he's been lying this whole fucking time. And that, I think that's where this, and you pulled out this awesome quote about, you know, and I think, I think having an extra, you know, level of like, I don't know what you call it, indignation, righteous anger at, at lying. Like that's, lying is one of my pet peeves too, right? I mean, no one loves lying, but like, it's something, when you lie to somebody, you're, you're just. It, it's like cognitive violence towards them, right? Like, and so, so she feels understandably, uh, you know, rightfully violated that um, she, you know, he's she's now realizing, wait a minute, he's been fucking with me. Like, I thought I was coming to him and asking for help, but no, he's been fucking with me this whole time. Are you fucking kidding? And so that's also why she hated Clark. And then you pulled out this awesome quote. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so this, so she comes to him and she's basically, and I think this is he is already now gone into all of the, you know, transparent bullshit, passive aggressive lying at her. Um, and she's like, uh, like trying to pick apart and she's, you know, accusing him of being involved in the bombings and he's pretending that he has no idea what she's talking about. Um, and then she says, I hated Clark for lying to me, said Lois. I hated him for living this double life and pulling the wool over my eyes. But at least at their core, Clark and Superman were the same person. There was a real goodness there, even if it was clumsy and imperfect. Is there a core to you, Lex? Lois, I have a franchise of orphanages set up throughout the United States now, headed by caring, competent people, said Lex. 
I'm personally spearheading a number of advancements in the sciences that will revolutionize the world 10 times over. If the United States goes to war in the coming years, one of the reasons we will emerge victorious is because of the vast resources that I control and the overwhelming technological superiority that we will enjoy. I've done more to end the Great Depression than any single other person on the planet. That is my core. Um, at least for me, like that stuck out to me as like how like he is super mechanical about it and and how he does see this as like the beginning and end of any reason that you would judge him. Uh, and in the same way that he, you know, doesn't have any problems with all of the people he murdered in order to try to figure out how to kill Superman. Um, that like, he's, it's almost like, like he doesn't scratch the surface beyond just a very dry, um, you know, almost like ethics class analysis of the things that he does. Um, yeah. And that he regards that as his core, like, like his core only goes, you know, half an inch deep. And like, I mean, this just strikes me too as like another deception, right? Like, I mean, he he is making the world a better place on his own right now, right? But I, when he says that's my core, I just see, you know, I, I see this glass shell as his core, right? And there's nothing in it. It's just yeah, I, yeah. I almost saw it as like like he doesn't even get that that it can be any more than that. He's like, look, I'm doing all the things that you humans seem to value. Well, and he doesn't have to be doing those. He doesn't have to be doing those things anymore, right? He's not putting up a front for Superman. So like he could have stopped. So like he doesn't seem to care, but it's just like I don't know. It Lex doesn't he's feel genuine. I yeah, he, he, he just he's doing it because that's like the thing that he's, you know, said he, he's only doing it to the extent that he feels like he's obligated to and in a very sort of calculated way of like of how that's then perceived. Because he certainly doesn't do anything anonymously. Well, and he's doing it to like you know make sure that the United States is the most powerful country on the planet, just in case, right? But there's also a little tiny thing here that jumped out at me. So when I read this, I usually read it with my ears on the amazing audiobook, um, and then I can skim it on fanfiction.net. But if I want to copy and paste notes, fanfiction doesn't let you like highlight text and copy it. So I'm reading it on alexanderwales.com/slash/metropolitanman, and uh, in this it says the clutch plague rather than the great depression i guess the what the clutch plague clutch plague yeah maybe that's what they called the great depression like at the time we didn't call that until we didn't call it that until later so this this whole interaction here just ends um where lex or excuse me lois just glares at him and i like this she stood slowly seeming years older than when they had first met i wish i'd never met you and left without another word it's a bummer and yeah and was it right in this scene but it may have been before but i like the other the thing i liked about how we left lex was he's left in this sort of like state of anxious dissatisfaction that he doesn't he's not walking away thinking like okay i've solved the superman problem and life is good now um but he's still in just this kind of like free-floating anxiety sense of like oh there's still danger in the world and i have to do something about it so that like his like he came at this, what he thought was this calm decision that Superman needs to be killed, um, but it didn't kind of get him the sense of security he was hoping for. Right. I mean, if if a less nice Superman shows up tomorrow, um, which now he can't rule out as a possibility, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. And he's, all yeah, sorts he's just of, all sorts of now it's just turned into this abstract boogeyman that like, oh, now there's just, there's aliens coming. Um, so he's going to be in this, yeah. like, you know. He's going to have this unaddressable anxiety about, you know, impending doom with nothing he can do about it. And and if it's not aliens, it's, you know, war or whatever. Right. So um, I guess, you know, just just show like, hey, once you realize that there's big threats, you stop 
being able to not realize that there's big threats. <laughs> well, yeah, so, and, and but the, the um, weird thing about Lex has always been that like like he is constantly trying to control his little world or his big world. But, you know, he, he does have that like Sherlock Holmes disease of thinking if, you know, just enough application of obsessive compulsive disorder will fix everything. Um, and so now he's, and he's still stuck in that. Like now he's just moving on to the next thing to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's going to be Lex, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so speaking of bummers, we get the the last little kind of, and we can talk about, like I think thematically at why this ends this way, but we get uh I thought one, it was great. one last loose end tied up. up. I know, right? Yeah. Uh yeah, so we're back at uh what was the guy's real name? Because now we just shorthanded him to Deadshot, but um Floyd something. Yeah, Floyd, yeah, Floyd something something. Uh yeah, because this is sort of like the oh yeah, we've got a guy down in a hole in the middle of Alaska. Um, and so we just sort of like cut back to him and he keeps thinking like, oh, you know what? It's been like Superman has been showing up every couple of days to give me fresh cans of spam and water. Um, and he hasn't <laughs> been here in a while. And he sort of, I did I ever tell you that my great uncle in World War II was stranded on an island in the South Pacific with a crate full of spam. And that was the last time he ever ate spam. No, but that's um, a- that's <laughs> so kind my, of badass. As long as we're digressing, my um, apparently a couple of weeks. So my is this my father's uncle? My great uncle was he looked he actually did look and sound a great deal like John Wayne. Um, he pretty he was just like the most bad. He's like my archetype of alpha male in my head. Super nice guy, totally badass. He we found out after he was dead that he'd gotten like a bronze star because he wouldn't tell anybody. Um, but yeah, he was so apparently not like a super dramatic story or anything. But they were like on some kind of like cargo plane shipment somewhere he because he was he fought in uh, the south pacific in world war ii and uh and i don't i think it was just some kind of mechanical thing i don't think it was like oh their plane got shot or anything but they realized like oh you know what this plane is not going to make it where we need to go uh we're gonna need to like crash it somewhere and so there wasn't ever any moment of like oh my god we're gonna die but it was like oh, okay there's an island over here with nothing on it and we're gonna have to land on it and that's not great but we'll be okay so they like kind of crash landed on there and the radio still worked and i guess and so i guess it was like several of them that were in this plane and they went out and they were able to find like fresh water and then because they were like a cargo plane apparently there was an entire pallet full of spam uh, on the plane. So they radioed, you know, back to the, I think he was in the army. Uh, they radioed to the people. They're like, yeah, we've crashed. We need rescuing. And they're like, okay, uh, what's your situation? They're like, well, we found fresh water and we do have a plate, you know, a pallet full of spam. So I guess we're not going to die. And they're like, <laughs> okay, we'll come pick you up when we get around to it. <laughs> and so I guess they camped, they camped on this island in the South Pacific for like two weeks living on water and spam. And this is sort of like my family lore. I'm, I'm sure there's parts of this that have been exaggerated or whatever, but, uh, but apparently like, yeah, so he really, really didn't like spam after that. Like, so the last time he ever ate spam was on that Island in the South Pacific. Right. So that's, that that's checks out. So yeah, there you go. That's pretty bad. Oh yeah. So, so yeah. So that's a uh, dead shots in a hole in, uh, in the bottom of Alaska eating spam. I don't think it actually said spam, but that's where my brain went. No, he's fresh out of spam. He waited too long for Superman to come visit. Oh, that's right. So he, yeah, he, he planned to, like, he planned to wait for Superman to come. And then as soon as he left, he would then start trying to crawl out, which was like right. still like totally desperate because he sort of knew like how unlikely it was that he was ever going to get out. So he he just sort of decided that he was in desperate land of, you know what, I'd rather try this and probably die than just keep sitting here. 
Um, well, yeah, and, and then I, too, really like he's going to get out and, and he's going to, he's going to what run all the way to some town, some hundreds of miles away on his bag of, of yeah, provisions know where he is? and not get caught by Superman. Yeah. No, he has, I don't think he has any idea where he is. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, yeah he um, zero, especially if he's like 300 feet underground, he would have no idea at all. Like, it's not like there would be any climate that he would be aware of. He doesn't have any I think he's aware that he's near the Arctic Circle, and that's oh. how short the days were or something. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so realistically, he falls, what, 30 feet up? and feet uh, breaks a leg. Yep, breaks a leg. And that's and a, then- you know, it's like a great, like, awesome, dark, grim ending. So, yeah, he's now, you know, he was already hungry and thirsty, and he was trying to crawl up, and now he's, you know, has broken his leg, can't move, and has no food or water and, and seen. Like, so the dude is going to like, right. first I said, start to death. No, no, he's going to die of thirst with a broken leg at the bottom of a hole in the middle of nowhere, Alaska. I guess he, I, got, I got three quick things on that. <laughs> One, right. So uh, when Superman, after they'd taken samples from his body and stuff, they ground him up to pulp, mixed him with kryptonite, and then buried oh, him yeah. in some nature preserve in Alaska that Lex controls. I think it's funny that it's also Alaska. Um, mm-hmm. And then with this, uh, like I forgot the second thing. So the third thing is that the sentence ends. Uh, he made a quick tourniquet and a splint and hoped that Superman would come back. And like, I think that, oh, and, uh, yeah, like, and that's, how it- that, that's the, that's going to be the sentiment of much of the world, right? They hope that Superman would come back and he never will. Um, like that, that's, that's this awesomely dark, heavy way to end it. But it also hits really heavy on like the, you know, Clark was always worried about the externalities of his actions. You know, what if I do, um, you know, if I break the law, if I go out to eat, if I do whatever, if I pose for pictures, um, he, he's constantly thinking about what will happen if I do something. This is an externality of Lex's decision to kill Superman. And he's he's not just fucking over Floyd here, right? Um, inadvertently. But the thing is, you don't have to know about the externalities of actions for them to still matter. Um, but he's made this decision well, yeah, for the entire planet. The entire Lex planet... Lex has decided that the entire planet definitely should not have world hunger solved for them. At least not as fast as it Because the risks have. aren't worth it. Because, yeah, it's not worth risking global annihilation in order to solve world hunger. Like, yes, that's probably, not probably, it's definitely possibly a valid choice. But, yeah, he decided he's the one that gets to make the choice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, this is the, this is how the story ended for... Again, I, I just kind of like to imagine like the rest of the world is in Floyd's position, just not quite as bad, right? Yeah. Um, and they're all there because Lex decided to put them like, there without oh, a second thought. Help me. And, that, and that that would have worked, especially like people in Metropolis where it probably did work occasionally be like, Superman, help me. And then, you know. Yeah, for for as long as, you know, I'm not sure how long people will still keep thinking that Superman's around. I would, I'd like to read that kind of like epilogue chapter. You know, 50 years later, there's still this call to people that think he's still there. But like... If, if he's on vacation and, and you know, the paper published, he's taking some personal time, you still have a reasonable guess that if your house is burning down and you yell for help, he might show up, right? Yeah. Eventually, people are going to realize that that's going to stop working and people are going to stop trying. It's just, it's a, it's, it's awesome. It's heavy. It's grim. It's Yeah. It's, and it's deep. sort of like the letdown because this does bring up like all of the stuff that the ideas in the watchmen of, you know, what happens to the world when it sort of like infantilizes itself relying on being rescued by daddy. Um, and now this is like the post of that, like, okay, yes, they have like, cause I get like, I think we're saying like, it had only been maybe a year or two of Superman in the world before he's like gone. 
but the world had started to do that of kind of sort of surrendering itself to being, you know, rescued by Superman when anything bad happens. And now you're in that like, and it's gone. Uh, and so like, what's that adjustment? You could almost see it as like a lot worse. Like what if, what if it had been this, what if this had happened 10 or 15 years later, like where the world had really become invested in knowing that there's always a Superman there. Um, and then suddenly that's taken away. You could even see like global politics might've started to shift around, you know, Superman's not ever going to let anything get too bad. And so countries, you know, start behaving in ways that they wouldn't necessarily, if they you know, didn't think Superman was around. And then suddenly you take that away. Like you can see suddenly like a bunch of like hot wars spinning up because everybody suddenly sees that they can get away with it. Um, yeah. I really sort of like, I mean, there's so many, especially I think the, one of my favorite things about this was just kind of the characters. These characters were very interesting and they changed as the story was going on. So I was, I'm like bummed that like there felt like there was a lot more room to, to go. There was a lot more uh, stuff to explore. Um, so, and I guess that's good. You leave them wanting more, but uh, yeah, so it feels like we only sort of like got like halfway through where we could have gone with these characters. So that was really good yeah it's i agree i i love it i it's like you said it's the thing where it's like man i wish there's more of this but then there's always that risk of like well they could run with it until they finally get canceled right like half the good half the good shows are good for the first few seasons and then then they just keep just spiraling until someone finally pulls the plug on it and they're canceled but you, you know you'd rather it just have ended at a high point um yeah like uh like breaking bad this was was always like the, the sort of way that this sort of like uh, whiplashed you back of like, it was an effective, like cutting it short um, in a way that you weren't expecting, like worked well for the story. So that all worked. But um, I was especially like, um, like, especially, like we killed Superman, so he's gone. But like, I really liked, um, like it was a brand new kind of Clark and Superman. Like it felt like there was a, a lot of places you could go with that. But then especially Lex, like not in like, oh, become make Lex like, grow and and you know become more believable but like like look even more at how like fucked up and like miswired the dude is um like it was just sort of interesting in the way that like he doesn't work as a human uh, and let's like keep figuring out all the ways that lex doesn't work as a human um so yeah and and instead that's left for our imaginations yes yeah well i mean i i had all my like fun thoughts that i was going to give about you know the the choice at the end i was going to save that for this point but i already said all that stuff so I think I'm, I mean, other than saying I had a great time and this was a lot of fun to do, I, I don't have anything else much to add. What about you? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, I, uh, I really like this though. This is, uh, um, yeah, it did stick. Like it sort of like is of the universe of rational stuff, but it was good. Like it wasn't as, um, you know, we didn't have, you know, Lex turning to the camera and lecturing us about his logical process, uh, the way, the way Harry would. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was different, but no, I did get, and, uh, and the characters were, like I said, like, um, yes, this is good stuff. I liked it. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, you know, the podcasty thing to say is, you know, stay tuned. There's more stuff coming out on the channel, but, um, that always that feels so that is like yet. meta and speaking, speaking of looking at the camera. Right. Um, <laughs> know, right. so forgetting, forgetting all that, we'll just, I think we can call it here and, uh, thanks everybody for listening. I had a lot of fun, Brian. Thanks again for doing this. Uh, I was looking forward to this, you know, I think halfway through met- or, uh, we want or uh, method of rationality. I was like, okay, half the shit that he, you're compl- that you don't like about this, you, I think, will won't be a problem in Metropolitan Man. I can't wait to talk about that one with you, and I'm glad we did. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no, I like it. Awesome, man. Cool stuff. Right on. Well, uh, thanks again, and I guess I'll catch you later. This, this is the part where I say, bye, everybody. That's the part. Well, I guess I'd better go then. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna miss you, man. <sighs> Loving you was super easy. Barely an inconvenience. Oh my god, love? Oh, did I completely misread our entire relationship? It certainly seems that way. This was always strictly professional. Oh, whoops. Whoopsie. All right, we gotta go. We got some work to do. Okay, bye. Bye-bye now.